Hey there, audio listener. Uh, there's a little bit of a cut at the beginning of our program this week, and it's because there were some audio issues, a little bit of an echo going on. So to save you from that pain while you listen to our podcast, we've just edited it down a little bit. You didn't miss anything substantial. Don't worry. We wouldn't do that to you. But if it sounds like we just come roaring right into the show, that's why. But thanks very much for listening. And you can always join us live Sunday at noon, where you can jump onto the chat by going to our Podbean page, uh, which is saved on all of our social media or over at subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio once again thanks for listening and now we'll get right back into the show good morning sunday morning Because there's actually a lot of things that went on, but some of it got kind of covered up. And by that, I mean um, all of the discussions and weirdness that were going on revolving around uh, Martha's Vineyard, which of course we're going to talk about. But it did actually block some of the more interesting stories uh, that have come out this week. Uh, some of it dovetailing kind of on the insanity that was, uh, you know, Biden's like weird speech uh, where he's basically declaring war on half of America for, you know, we've talked about this for a few weeks now. And I know a lot of people have kind of brought up like, well, he's talking about, you know, quote, MAGA Republicans. He won't name who those people are, but he says it's MAGA Republicans. And we're convinced by the liberal media and by Democrats themselves that these MAGA Republicans are like representatives. He's not talking about, you know, regular everyday Americans, right? He's he's talking about the evil uh, MAGA Republicans. The altest of rights. Yeah, the altest of rights. This is like, you know, people have told me who they think it is. You know, it's like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gates, maybe even Jim Jordan. Who knows? It's all of those people, but it's certainly not you. Except for when Democrats are talking. Uh, for example, uh, Representative Hank Johnson, who's a Democrat from uh, Democrat representative from Georgia, he names who MAGA Republicans are uh, earlier this week. Here's him. Uh, here's him in a... Um, committee meeting and and he actually talks about who he says are mega republicans the type of people that the president of the united states was referring to in his dark speech um oh. january 6 2021 will never be forgotten an infamous day in american history oh mega republicans descended upon the capitol engaged <laughs> in an insurrection uh, occupied the capitol five People were killed, hundreds injured. Um, wow, January 6th just keeps but, getting more impressive. I, I, we're not five even, people we're not even killed now and hundreds injured? My word. Yeah, five people were killed, uh, apparently. I'm at, at least he tailored it. Now, there's still more to this clip, but at least he tailored it and didn't say five police officers were killed because, you know, at, like... He, even the even the most deceitful of news organizations have to step away from that lie. But but let's let's keep going because he hasn't actually named other MAGA Republicans yet, including hundreds of Capitol Hill police officers attacked and bludgeoned 
um, police officers he wants uh, to defund was, that uh, are racist, by the way. A day that we'll never forget. And people on the local level uh, at affected school board meetings, they won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings uh, after January 6th, like January 6th, disrupting meetings. It was a co coordinated uh, attack happening across the country. Americans won't forget about it. Whoa. Hey, parents of school board meetings, you're now insurrectionists. You're MAGA Republicans. Wow, hear that? that's amazing. If you're concerned about your school board, maybe you want your kids to go back to school. Maybe you don't want them wearing masks. Maybe you're upset over all the transgender ideology that's being spread to your children, the pornography that has absolutely been found um, in public school libraries. You know, those things... Yeah, yeah, you're a MAGA Republican. You're an insurrectionist. And need I remind you that this is a representative of the federal government. When they use terms like insurrection, they are talking about charges like treason and sedition. You know, things that if you were in a well-functioning country, you could just kill people for. So wow. so when, when Joe Biden is talking about, you know, going after, quote, threats to democracy, just understand who the Democrat Party perceives that threat to democracy as. It is regular Americans who go against, and I know I'm sort of preaching to the choir here, I, but you know, let me remind you, I didn't think that they'd be saying the quiet part out loud so quickly. Like we all knew mm -hmm. it was. What's amazing is how emboldened they feel right before a midterm election to go on record and ostensibly say like, oh, no, no, parents at school board meetings? Yeah, we want to throw them in the gulag too, but not just throw them in the gulag because it gets even worse because so right now there's a, you know, obviously there's the midterms going on and Tim Ryan, who was a, who's a representative in Ohio, who's being challenged by J.D. Vance, he also wanted to talk about the MAGA movement and MAGA Republicans. And he has some suggestions on what should be done with the MAGA movement and MAGA Republicans. So let's listen to what a, what a gentleman running for the Senate, a gentleman running for the United States Senate thinks should be done about these parents at school board meetings or protesters outside the Capitol. I want to work across the aisle. Look, the Democrats aren't right on everything. And I'm willing to sit down and have conversations about how we can move out of this age of stupidity and into an age of reconciliation and reform. How do we fix all of these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans, it's not not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got oh. to kill and confront that movement. I want to. Well, we have to kill and confront that movement. Extremists like what? What are the and that what's great is this is all nonsense and it's all basically like pre genocide talk where it's like well we're just setting this up so that we can actually kill and imprison and jail people for that disagree with us politically. What what's what's so incredible about it too is you know I I want to work across the aisle I want to get together for solutions what does that always mean anytime you ever hear a democrat use the word bipartisan across the aisle what does it always mean what does it look like when they work with republicans what is a good republican you know what is the type of republican that that the democrats want to work with well we already have 
a template for a good Republican that Democrats want to work with. It's the people who do what the Democrats want. Liz Cheney was the devil, literally the devil. She was one of the worst people in the Republican Party. She was awful. She was terrible. You know, should be burned at the stake, thrown in the gulag until she worked with Democrats to impeach Donald Trump, doing what Democrats wanted to do. Not, not understand, not coming up with solutions to meet in the middle, not finding some sort of middle of the road compromise. No, 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 no. She went along with what Democrats wanted to do. Same thing with Adam Kinzinger. Obviously, these are two people that are uh, two people that are on the uh, uh, January 6th committee. So them going after to kill, confront the MAGA movement, to go after parents that are at school boards, protesters that are outside the Capitol, anybody who questions the regime and the elitist talking points, anybody who goes against that, that's a good Republican. That's bipartisan. Anything else is a crazy movement that needs to be killed and confronted. They want to go back to the modus operandi of Washington, D.C., where Democrats are pushing radical progressive legislation, and at best, at the very best, the Republican Party is kind of trying to manage that progressivism. In other right. words, they're trying to sell it. That's the kind of Republican they want. They want controlled opposition who try to sell progressive policies to the Americans by twisting it around and making it sound a little less crazy. Yeah. Uh, and all of this, Biden's speech, all of these statements by these different congressmen and senators, all of these articles being pushed out by journalists around the country about, oh, it's this Christo-fascist movement, oh, this white supremacy. All of it is, they're, they're playing a long game. They're playing the game so that in, say, 20, 30 years after they've destroyed their political opposition and, to and you know, won the prize, they can write the history books and say, well, see, here's this entire body of work justifying everything we're about, everything that we did. Here's all of these. Here, see, we have this historical record of for decades, people have been talking about how horrible all of these MAGA Republicans are and how evil they are. And that justifies why we eventually purged them all from the country. They're setting themselves up to write the history books with a lot of this nonsense. No, that's a hundred. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and one of, one of the things that we saw, uh, recently this week, which, you know, suddenly got kind of eclipsed, of course, was the story of Mike Lindell, the, my pillow guy having being surrounded by the FBI. Yeah. Surrounded by the FBI at what was it? A Hardy's drive through. Something like that. So the my pillow guy, like okay, so Mike Lindell, yeah, he has he has gone all in on uh, you know election fraud. Mike Lindell's whole thing is you know I think that there was election fraud. I'm gonna go find it. Um, you know I'm gonna pay for forensics to be conducted on some of the votes that were going on. He he's he's gonna get to the bottom of this because he believes that the election was stolen. None of this is illegal. None of this is even like crazy. Smart guy. None of this is even unprecedented. This is exactly what Democrats have done at every election, uh, basically for the last 20 years. So none of this yeah. is unprecedented or crazy or weird. 
But it's for just some unprecedented. Reason. It's unprecedented that someone on the right is finally questioning the integrity of elections when the left has been meddling in them for years. Precisely. And they're and and the re. It's it's funny because if you wanted the one thing that I think bolsters the claims of election fraud. If there's one thing that absolutely bolsters and makes it, I'll say it this way, makes it easy for me to convince anyone I'm talking to that election fraud is likely, I certainly point out the fact that the FBI is trying to arrest anyone who talks about it, even though what effect are they having? Right. It says, well, because the regime and all of their apparatus has stated the position, there cannot be any election fraud. Therefore, anyone bringing it up must be a Russian agent of disinformation and chaos or some nonsense like that. Yeah, the the fact that they are running as fast as they can to arrest and persecute anyone who even talks about it, that's that's kind of how you know, you know? <laughs> like, like yeah. ah, the, the Democrats are in total power and they want to arrest anybody who questions how maybe they got into power. Well, that certainly kind of suggests that that they absolutely did steal the election. That's that's that looks like a cover up. Ignoring oh, it, and like, really oh, people like it. yeah. Here's um here's a little bit of a uh, clip from uh, an interview that Tucker Carlson performed with uh, Lisa Gallagher, um, who ended up also being raided by the FBI because understand. People who had Facebook groups were raided by the FBI, even though they may not have had any connection to anything to include January 6th. But here's here's part of that interview. Lisa Gallagher, as we told you a moment ago, is one of the many Trump supporters who woke up to an FBI raid earlier this month. And we are grateful that she's willing to join us to tell us about it. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. So. I just want to be clear that you have not committed a crime of any kind. I don't think you've ever been accused of a crime. You weren't even at the Capitol on January 6th. I don't think you're even in Washington. Tell us how you felt when Joe Biden's FBI showed up with guns at your home the morning after his speech. I was terrified. And I'll be honest with you, when my daughter woke me up telling me there were three armed FBI officers at my door, I thought she was joking. And I immediately tried to throw clothes on. I called my husband. I was crying. My knees were shaking. And even though I knew I'd done nothing wrong, after seeing Joe Biden's speech the night before, I thought, oh my God, this is political. And I was frightened. I truly thought they can take me out of here in handcuffs. And I thought yes. I'm in my bedroom. I thought, am I not coming home? So I went outside and I said, gentlemen, you're scaring me. And they proceeded to tell me that they were given an anonymous tip that I was at the Capitol on January 6th. Even though, of course, as we said, they knew you weren't because they had facial recognition software and there's no evidence and it's almost, almost two years ago. Do you know who this anonymous tip, this snitch who turned you into federal law enforcement for supporting Trump on Facebook might be? No, I know nothing. And I invited them into my home so I could look at my phone and my calendar. And I have subsequently called the FBI office in Newark to just document or know for sure that it really was FBI agents at my home, and it was. And they said it was an anonymous tip, but they won't tell me anything else. Yeah, because there are not enough law enforcement concerns right now with 107,000 Americans dying of fentanyl. 
uh, last year. Lisa Gallagher, I know it takes bravery to come on and explain what happened. So, so wait, the FBI surrounded her house because she might have been at a protest. Right. Well, and that, that resulted that she in- was or was not does not matter. It simply is yeah. what, what this is showing. The whole point of this exercise is not to arrest her because they didn't have anything to arrest her for. It's just to show her we could make your life hell if we wanted to. And there is nothing you can do to stop us. All we have to do is assert you might have been at the Capitol, and then we can derail your entire life with in- endless investigations and summonses and you know all sorts of things. It's exact. This is. I know people have made the comparison before, but this is very similar to the way the KGB operated in the Soviet Union. Is the punishment is the process where it doesn't matter if you're guilty or not. The simple fact that if the, that the FBI can, is shown that they are willing, if you are a political enemy of the regime. To show up at your house, essentially then force compliance. And if you have any, if you try to do anything about it, if you have a negative interaction with it, essentially they're probing to force you to have a negative interaction or negative response that they can then use to justify further action. Like if she had said, no, go away. They said, oh, well, she's impeding an investigation or she's, or something like that. And that justifies that we have a more that we dive into her finances or we look into her husband or any of these other number of things. And I'm sure they probably even are starting to use, well, since white supremacy is an anti, now rapidly becoming an anti-terror problem, well, we could probably start using the Patriot Act against these people and just make their lives a living hell so, as a example to others. Don't support the things, don't, if you do not have unswavering loyalty to the regime, the apparatus of state security will make your life hell in a way that you're not legally protected from. Because essentially they're operating in, in a legal loophole where they can investigate crimes. They don't have to find you guilty. They don't even need evidence. They're simply doing their due diligence to investigate. But those investigations have a, have a negative effect on your life, and that's the point. Yeah, maybe maybe you shut down your little Facebook page, uh, you know, that's documenting the abuse of the Democrat Party and their use of the FBI. Right. The goal is to scare you out of any political activism. Now, what's interesting is that there are some claims. Uh, for example, Jim Jordan is claiming that FBI whistleblowers are telling him that they felt pressure to create or juice, quote, juice the numbers of domestic extremist groups, which we've talked about. This is absolutely going to happen. Uh, we've talked about the fact that any time that you hear the FBI try to talk about domestic, you know, because that, that was the change. I'm, I, 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 I don't like to, you know, self-congratulate and pat ourselves on the back, but it was like two and a half years ago now that we played a sub, uh, like a, uh, sorry, a, uh, house subcommittee hearing where we were listening mm-hmm. to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez try to pressure the FBI and the DHS into creating some sort of system of monitoring quote, domestic terrorism. And we said at that right. time. The entire point here 
was to list their political opposition as domestic terrorists and then you know pursue pursue and persecute them. Of course, there's been zero real things that the FBI could uh, possibly target as being domestic extremism when it uh, coordinates to the right wing. And certainly we've seen absolutely zero activity from the FBI to stop actual domestic extremism when it comes to literally anything else. They know every mass shooter and do zero about it. They even know about a ton of different terroristic plots that come from uh, the, you know, come from the left via Antifa or Black Lives Matter. So what did they do? Right. Of course, the, well, you have to sell it. So it's not a shock at all that FBI whistleblowers are coming out and going, oh, well, yeah, basically, you know, the seventh floor, which for those of you who don't know is where all of the, uh, you know, top directors of the FBI sit, is basically saying, I don't care how you come up with the numbers, but you need to have numbers that say that there's a bunch of domestic extremism because the whole point is to get those numbers so then you can throw anybody you don't like in the gulag. Right, right. That's the that's the whole po- the whole point of this is it is a coordinated campaign amongst the upper levels of the FBI and the Democrat Party to intimidate and suppress their political opposition. Mm-hmm. What's weird is I don't I don't know if anyone can say that that's not what it is because I, I mean like like. I don't know. Let's play it through a little bit. If you were discussing this with somebody and they were like, well, no, but like, I'm super concerned about domestic extremism. What example could they give you that makes sense for going after a woman that has a pro Trump Facebook page? Uh, It would be very easy to justify mm -hmm. that. All you need to do is say, is this one of the extremist mega Republicans that we have previously identified as a potential threat to democracy based on the insurgency actions of January 6th. You just write this stuff down. And because no one in the bureaucracy is demanding that it be justified with reality, then the boxes get checked and this is all now legal. Do you think that NPR Americans, you know, <laughs> your average voting Democrat, do, do you think that they are so inundated still in the, you know, friend, good enemy, bad that they would just, they would ignore all the obvious signs and just keep going along with it. Or do you, do you think that that group of people is shrinking? I think it is the case you'd have to make is, does it matter? Because if, if, well, if, if the right people in the FBI believe that believe these things, or at least are willing to go along with them, it doesn't matter what your everyday Republican Democrat on the street thinks. They might even think this is abhorrent or wrong. You know, much like when the FBI was cracking down on parents who were protesting at school board meetings. You, your average NPR listener might think that's wrong. But what does it matter? Are they going to vote in a way that forces any of this, to, forces there to be a reckoning for this behavior? No. So no matter no matter their outrage, what matters is that the people in the government security apparatus are radicalized enough or players enough that they're going to keep doing this because it benefits them in a number of ways. Okay, so this is the the solution here 
in in basically the sense of what you're kind of pointing at is there there just has to be a massive gutting and and reformation when it comes to oh, I mean honestly yeah. the entirety of the Department of Justice. Yeah, probably probably the entirety of the Department of Justice, the CIA, probably even the DOD. It's like the entire government bureaucracy needs to be stripped down and rebuilt. And we know that just by looking at how this stuff happens. This doesn't happen unless you have multiple people in high-level positions within these bureaucracies coordinating with other people in high-level positions in other parts of the bureaucracy to ensure that the normal rules designed to protect the civil liberties of American citizens can be bypassed and circumvented through loopholes. We see that through the, the way the Department of Justice and the FBI and the intelligence community have all coordinated together to violate civil liberties of Americans. I remember when they all got together to ensure with agents of the Democrat Party that they were wiretapping the offices of the opposition party during Trump's election. The NSA was colluding with the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the Democrat Party, and the FISA courts to ensure that they could wiretap and spy on the opposing candidate in an election for a, the benefit of one political party. All of the people in every in the top level of that of all of those bureaucracies have to be fired and stripped has to be fired, probably stripped of their pension. They have to suffer a serious level of ramifications. They have to be, be made examples of, or else these things happen again. The only thing that protects your civil liberties is the people in the with the power to destroy them choosing not to do so. It's like we can talk all we want about the Constitution, but if the people in charge of exercising force against you don't care that they're violating the Constitution and the people that would be in charge of policing their actions to ensure that they don't violate the Constitution are all on the same side, then your constitutional rights are gone. Like in de, fa de facto, sure, you might have a right to a fair trial, but if the someone at the NSA and someone in the FBI and someone at the Democrat Party decides that you need to have your civil liberties violated via wiretapping, and they all can collude together to ensure that every loophole is maneuvered through to make that happen, it's going to happen. So that, yeah, so the, con the, yeah, the concept here, and this is something that we've always kind of touched on, right, is when we, um, <laughs> it's always those situations where like something happens and, uh, you know, for example, you get like a lot of the neocons or establishment conservatives, whoever you want to, however you want to term it. Right. And they go like, oh, well, that's just ridiculous. That's so anti-constitutional. And you go, well, OK, but they're they're doing it, though. Like they went to go do it. And I didn't see the Constitution come flying down and block their ability to do this absolutely corrupt and unconstitutional yeah. thing. And all you seem to be doing is telling everybody how they're absolutely breaking the law and the constitution by doing the thing, but it's still happening and you bitching that it's unconstitutional doesn't seem to be stopping it. So please explain to me, um, what are we, well, and, and this gets back to, sorry, this gets back to the fundamental part of what pisses me off so much about uh, when we talk about January 6th, what exactly are the American people supposed to do when the, the 
liberal elites in D.C., the Democrat Party, the mainstream media consistently violate the constitutional rights of the American people, weaponize the Department of Justice and other apparatuses like the intelligence apparatus of the United States government against their political opposition. And the only thing, the only thing that we get from Republicans is, oh, my gosh, that's so illegal and unconstitutional. And then absolutely zero happens. What are we supposed to do as American citizens when the Constitution is being blatantly violated and nobody gives a damn about it? Because when we try to do literally anything about it, everybody tucks their tail and runs away and calls it an insurrection. Right. The only thing that can be done about it is essentially through, I would say, almost state-level government now. State and local level government, maybe sheriffs and other things, have to take an active role to protect their own citizens from the predations of the FBI. Because it's clear that at the national level, it's almost, I would say it's almost too deadlocked to hope for anything to change. Like you, well, yeah, We would you... need to change this at the national level. We would need to have, a, basically, we need to probably have the House, Senate, and Executive Branch all friendly to us. all stacked with people with enough political spine to take the massive measures needed to essentially drain the swamp. But I don't think, I don't see that happening anywhere in the near future. And so the, now we have to rely on things like a state government saying the FBI is not allowed to operate within our state or a local sheriff, a county sheriff saying, I am not allowing FBI agents to come in and harass the people of my county. And those people are going to have to then be backed up by the city councils, by state governments. And that's that's truly what I see as the the near term step forward that, for all this is essentially protecting, finding ways to protect ourselves from the predations of the federal bureaucracy. Well, and one of one of the things that you've brought up is, you know, when it comes to, like, say, January 6th, like the people that were that are sitting there in jail, which by the way, you know, we played that clip from, uh, from Still. that woman, you know, she's lucky that she didn't get arrested because regardless of, you know, her whole thing was like, I wasn't even there on January 6th. Yeah. It could take you 18 months to say that to a judge. Yeah. And that was the entire 18 months you're sitting in jail. Right. And then still they'll probably See, find exactly. a way three or four years. So it exactly. doesn't matter. You could be innocent. absolutely innocent. You could be mm -hmm. provably innocent, like a lot of these people on January 6th that are sitting that have been sitting in jail for what now two years. You could absolutely be innocent, and they will find a way to just sit you in jail. You never see a judge. You're just sitting there in essentially judicial limbo, but your life is ruined. Your health is ruined. Like guys from January 6th who are basically innocent have been beaten by the guards enough that they've gone blind in, a, in an eye or been forced into depression-related suicide after not having seen their family for a couple of years. All the COVID regulations were used to essentially drive these people insane. It, it absolutely is a Soviet gulag-type system, and it operates in America today. So I don't care about, like, what civil rights am I supposed to care about when we have political prisoners being abused in a federal prison system today and we're not doing anything about that? 
Well, and and I mean, like, some of this is some of this is being voiced. I'll give credit where credit's due because I don't want to be completely cynical. Although I think that these are absolutely valuable things that we need to point out is the lack of effort being taken. Um, uh, and one of one of the people who's at least voicing, I don't I don't want to give uh, this is Representative Chip Roy from Texas. I don't want to give him too much credit just because he gets good sound bites because I need to see actions more than words. But at least here's a little bit representative Chip Roy bringing up the weaponization of the FBI uh, a few days ago uh, in a committee hearing. Here's what he had to say about what's going on with the, the Biden DOJ and the FBI. We've had a whole lot of conversation about the facts or at least the perceived facts or alleged facts about what has occurred or what what exists in Mar-a-Lago, what doesn't. But remember, we're still dealing with a 50% or something redacted document, affidavit. The whole point here is the power of Congress to demand information from the executive branch for us to do our oversight responsibility. That's why we're here. The gentleman from Texas, my friend Mr. Gomer, articulated very well why we should be bound together as members of Article I to defend the powers of Article One in this context. I ran afoul of a few of my colleagues and the former president when I agreed to a subpoena on the Oversight Committee because I wanted information about where kids were being held after the issues at our southern border. I wanted that information fairly public about my belief in the need to secure a border for the betterment of Americans and migrants, but I wanted that information. We've had a whole lot of conversation about, about Scott Smith from Loudoun County, who was sorry guys, there was a weird kind of exhibit in the uh, in the audio. So let me get back to where we were. Emergency power. We should be bound together here and wanting to demand information and be able to get it. And as my friend from California pointed out, the FBI, the power of the FBI, can be used and is used often to destroy lives. We will talk in a minute about a different issue about Scott Smith from Loudoun County, who was kind of exhibit one or certainly one of several exhibits in the now fairly infamous letter from the National School Board Association in direct coordination with the White House, which led directly to the Attorney General of the United States issuing a memorandum that is still in effect and under which we know from whistleblowers, American citizens have been tagged as domestic terrorists. That is the power of your Federal Bureau of Investigation under the Democrat Attorney General of the United States. And you're running cover. And you're running cover for them. And we're sitting here right now, simply wanting to see the entirety of an affidavit so that we can do our oversight duty, our job. If there's some concern about that not being able to be seen by the public, we can march down to the skiff right now and go look at the fully unredacted version. What in the hell are my colleagues afraid of in seeing the full unredacted version? The American <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who's in the background, but somebody said Schiff will leak it. That's, that's what that comment was in the background, but let's keep going. 
American people right now are tired of seeing the power of government being used against them. When we say we want to see changes at the FBI or rhetoric like defund or break up the FBI, as my colleague from North Carolina said about breaking into 94 pieces, as a former federal prosecutor in a United States attorney's office, I absolutely respect the many men and women I worked with going after bad guys. Something I wish my Democratic colleagues would more often like to do, by the way. But the power centralized in the FBI under the Attorney General of the United States being used to target American citizens is something that the People's House, the People's House Judiciary Committee should be keenly concerned on a bipartisan basis to try to protect. And again, I wanna bring this back to the simple point. This is a request of information of the executive branch from a member of Congress elected by 750,000 American citizens in Arizona to say, I'd like to see the entire affidavit. And my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are against transparency, against transparency. Well, one thing I like about Chip Roy is he sticks specifically as much as people like it's very difficult for people to say that this is all theater when Chip Roy kind of goes off on his tangents because he always speaks and focuses and centers on yeah but like this is our job like here's every like here's the aspects of what our job is supposed to be doing the, here's all of the legal like silly little documentation that backs up like what our roles and responsibilities are and all I'm asking us to do is uh, uh that Yeah. Now, forgive my little bit of cynicism here, but it seems like a lot of this is simply pleading to the people that are knowingly doing this for their own benefit to suddenly have a come to Jesus moment and realize that they're not abiding by the Constitution. As emotional of a plea as this is, I'm just here wonder who his audience is supposed to be. Is it the Democrats that knowingly are doing this for their own political gain? Like that violating the system and twisting it to their own ends is the point they 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 are the ones that have done this and know exactly what they're doing so all of this oh well we need to be bipartisan this is really this is wrong what well, why would democrats no, that's, care that's not so that's not the audience um i like i understand where okay. you come from that's not the audience it is um so this was this was recorded on on september 14th so it was a, a four days ago right september okay. We're two months out from a uh, a midterm election. The midterm election is more than likely going to move the House over into Republican control. This is him stating, here is everything that the Democrats are doing. And this now, for lack of a better term, A, because of its popularity, B, because of its actual like existence in written record, because that's what happens in these committees. Uh, this actually lists out uh, here is our pushback against the Democrat Party and how we're going to fix problems that have been identified by uh, you know millions, millions of Americans, right? All of the rhetoric, mm-hmm. every the Republican Party has promised throughout the summer that has given them a surge in the polls and given them a surge with the American voters. This now documents it and says this is a in a sense his way of saying this is what we're going to do. If you give us control over the House Judiciary Committee, because remember, whichever party controls the House of Representatives then controls every single committee within it. 
So the House Judiciary Committee will be under Republican control. Chip Roy is listing out, here's what the Democrats are doing wrong in violation of a lot of things. So when we take over, we can't do that. We have to fix that and we need to have the oversight. Well, I certainly that hope that the I certainly hope Republicans are able to win these elections and get in power. I mean, you sound skeptical. I am a little skeptical because as as great as these words are, they are nothing but mm-hmm. words. Well, that's now, all they granted, have. Maybe they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I was saying maybe they can't do anything until they have power, but. I still don't necessarily see the point. Like, would they all, if the point of stating this, sure, it goes on the record, but how many rhino Republicans are going to get elected or Republicans go, wow, you know, how many rhino Republicans are going to get elected and then just not act on any of this? There's no binding resolution. There's nothing binding about his words other than wouldn't it be nice if we could do these things? And I guess that's why maybe it's, and maybe that where it's where it has to start, but I see some action, I'm still going to feel a little bit let down by the Republican Party. Now, maybe oh, I just certainly. have to wait until after the election and see what happens. But I guess my skepticism comes from this. Why is it not every single Republican on the committee saying this? Why Why do I have to wait for Chip Roy? Where's Where's Lindsey Graham? Where's Mitch McConnell, where's all these people echoing the exact same sentiment very publicly with absolutely no room for interpretation? Sure. And that's what no, makes no, me no, skeptical I, is mm-hmm. I'm skeptical because let's say Republicans do win control of the House committee. Will they then be sabotaged by a bunch of traitors within their own ranks and prevent any real change from happening? And I guess I don't feel confident that that's not going to happen. So I am not exactly excited. Like this doesn't really solve the issue for me because I feel very little assurance that his words are going to turn into any kind of real action. Right. So, so, and here's, here's the, the, the purpose of bringing this up, right? So, well, number one, to, to address one of the points you made, um, the idea of a binding resolution or some sort of legislation, right? As of right now, uh, how everything, you know, ferrets out within the House and the Senate. Let's say Chip Roy's like, I made a binding resolution. This is what I think needs to be done. By the way, we've seen this uh, where like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, several other representatives have actually put forward legislation to impeach uh, Joe Biden for the weaponization of the FBI. Guess what happens? Awesome. Never sees the light of day because Democrats are in control. Sure. Um, this, this is part of the, I mean, some of it is part of how the government is run, but also at the same time, it is part of just the coordinated, um, activity of the Democrat party. So you put forward that legislation and it just goes zero anywhere. It just never gets seen. Right. Um, so, uh, as much as we'd love to see it, it would just be failed legislation. And to be fair, given how things are, that actually would be theater. Like I put together a resolution and I want something to be done. And then all the Democrats go, well, we're going to vote no on it. And then it's just like, well, shit. I mean, you knew that that was Mm going to happen. But to be fair to your point, even though it is theater, the effort does mean something. But what you are pointing out 
And what we have as American voters and all these other people is we did just play that audio and we have the record of that being said, which has now set what I'd like to consider an expectation of the activity of the GOP. Because do I have any problem if, you know, if somebody asks me, um, obviously I don't like the Democrat party. I think that they're the source of all the problems in this country. So certainly I would like to see the Democrat party, uh, completely dismembered. Now, sure. does that mean that I think that the GOP needs to be completely protected and surrounded in armor? No, I'll take them out too. Do you think personally, and I'm sure that you would agree with this, if if the Republican party gets into power for the next couple of years and they do absolutely zero to reform these absolute abuses of the constitution of the United States, verifiable abuses of power by the executive branch, the Congress and the, you know, the, the Congress and the judiciary, if they do absolutely zero about it, I don't see any reason why any voter in America wouldn't be perfectly fine with both parties being completely burned to the ground. And honestly, yeah. right now, given stuff like what you just said and over you know several years of what we've seen, I would love to see somebody explain to me how that isn't the best step forward for the United States. Right. I think that the next couple of years... If Republicans have victories in the midterms, if they flip the House and it would be interesting, I want them to flip the Senate, not be not just because I want you know total Republican control over Congress. I want them to flip the Senate so they don't have any excuses for failure. But I would say that the next two years of House control by the Republican Party isn't a, quote, victory for the Republicans, though it is. In fact, what it is, is this is the Republican Party needs to prove why it needs to also exist. Because I'm perfectly fine, and I think many Americans are fine with the complete dismemberment of the Democrat Party, but I don't want the Republicans to think that that means they're safe. This is their interview for survival as a party in the United States of America. Right. And I guess it is just frustrating because at a time when we need more than ever a functional, capable opposition party, and a time when that probably has never been easier, because Joe Biden's <laughs> terrible, no, Democrats are wildly true. unpopular. At a time when it would have been the easiest possible time to have to be a functional and good opposition party, we're stuck having to reform the Republican Party before we can take any first step towards holding the Democrats accountable or reversing any of their changes. And that's, I think, what I, I think myself and maybe other people find very frustrating. No, yeah, and 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 I absolutely agree. And and 100%, I, I understand it. But to that same, uh, on, that, on that same note, uh, there's a huge appetite in the voter base of the you know Republican Party, you know the people who vote, um, they've gone after a lot of those establishment candidates. So what I'm pointing at isn't like I'm not saying like oh the problem's been solved. Don't don't misunderstand me on that point. Uh, sure. But the fact that there have been so many 
establishment Republicans, like, I mean, Liz Cheney is a really great example. I mean, she was from a dynasty for God's sakes, and she got blown out embarrassingly. The fourth worst defeat in electoral history in the United States of America. That doesn't mean that all of the problems have been solved, but anyone that's in the GOP that has any lick of sense should be seeing the writing on the wall that says you're not safe unless you're doing what the people in middle America in you know the in in the little countryside you know areas in basically things that are stretches along the highway they can destroy your entire career because those people were not safe Liz Cheney was the third highest ranking Republican in the United States of America two years ago. Now, right. she is a civilian with one of the most embarrassing defeats on the ballot. If the GOP doesn't understand where the American voter base is, they need to be burned to the ground. Because, and, and, and that's the point. Alan, you don't have any faith that they're gonna do the right thing. That's a problem that should be addressed and it should be priority number one for the GOP. Certainly. And I guess the, the real conversation then, unfortunately, before we can tackle any of these other things is, why is the GOP not coalescing around this sort of message? Why is this bad even advice that we need to have? So part of it is bad advice. They think that because they pay a million dollars for advice that that means it's good. It's not. They get bad advice from advisors and from consultants that are because all of their advice comes from Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. is basically an echo chamber of idiocy and elitism. So that's number one, which is why I consistently uh, go after the, quote, D.C. consulting class. Number two is many of them are too old and too out of touch. They've been too rich. They've sat in DC too long. They have no connection whatsoever to actual America. They're not out there talking to constituents. They're not out there talking to everyday Americans. They're still just sitting in Washington DC and going to country clubs and 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 being ridiculous. Um and they've been in, you know, Congress for 40, 50 years and they're all millionaires. So they're completely out of touch. Number three is the entirety of American society and how we consume information has changed. And none of these 60, 70, 80 year old people and none of their idiot uh, uh, interns and staff members have realized it. They still think that MSNBC, uh, the Wall Street Journal, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, they still think that those avenues of information change public opinion and they do not. Right. So th those would be like my three, three main pillars for why they're so bad at this. But to be fair, that only appeals to ignorance. It doesn't appeal to malice. Okay, so what I'm sure what I'm stating there is if they're ignorant, those are the reasons why. If they're malicious, well, then it's to keep business as usual because let's be honest, there's zero politicians in Washington, D.C. who haven't consistently come out, regardless of party, regardless of stripe, who haven't come out better than when they went in. 
Certainly. If there's yeah. one thing that's recession proof, it's becoming a millionaire because you're in Congress. Yeah. So for the perfect I, way to make <laughs> a lot of money. Oh man. I, I, like like Liz Cheney's uh personal wealth increased by 600% while she was in Congress. That's utterly ridiculous. And the thing is, I would actually almost be okay with that if these people were competent and doing their job well. Yeah, like you'd be willing to dismiss it. Yeah, that's probably a little yeah, corrupt, it's, but it's, at it's least like, you're you know not what? being if shitty to the, me. Yeah, if that's the the bent the reward of getting of being in Congress is hey, you kind of get to manipulate the the system a little bit, do a little insider trading. I'd say, you know what? Fine. If these people were competent and running the country well, I would be like, well, you know what? Fine, whatever. Like, let's just let that, let's allow that to happen. But they're not running the country well. They're running the country into the ground. And that's, I think, what really gets me angry. Is I think you people can't even be bothered to be competent with your own voting base to serve their needs. And I'm supposed somehow supposed to be to find it acceptable that you then are also basically man manipulating the stock market into making millions of dollars. I'm sorry, that just doesn't that doesn't fly. Like like you would be you would be far more comfortable if it was like the average American's income increased by 300%, but Liz Cheney's increased by 600. You'd be like, yeah, I can see where people are angry about that, I'd but like, we okay, did get fine. a 300% increase. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I guess it yeah. it wouldn't bother me so much, except for these people are incompetent and they're mm -hmm. not doing things that we want them to do. They're not they're not doing things that even they say they're going to do. And I think that's what it just is especially egregious about it. Is they're not doing the things they said they're gonna do that they say are important, and they're basically hanging us out to dry. And it means that instead of using my uh, instead of getting these huge benefits that they get from being in Congress, financial and otherwise, they're squandering those benefits. And that is what is, I think, extremely unseemly about the whole situation. Well, and it, and it, it gets very impressive, or not impressive, but it, it gets very interesting when you do start kind of going down, down that rabbit hole, like we, we brought up, you know, Liz Cheney, for example, uh, 600% increase. And uh, it's unfathomable when you look at people like Nancy Pelosi and some of the insider trading um, that happens yeah. within Congress that just nobody cares about. But let, let's do a little bit of like comparison uh, between that and just kind of the by the numbers uh, for how regular Americans are doing. And and what I, what yeah. I mean by that is... We had, as much as the jokes are made in, in the comments and, and what have you, we 100% had a 1984 moment where it was like, do you remember Baghdad Bob? Yeah. Yeah. So it was that guy that was, he was on, he was like in uh, Baghdad and he was like the minister of information for the for the Iraqis and he's reporting that like not like there's no don't believe the reports there's no Americans in the United States like we've landed troops in New and York and in, the, in the president Iraq. Bush has been killed 
or what what did i say yeah it's in you said in new york but yes basically so he was saying, oh, like, oh, there's, said, there's no troops in baghdad everything's fine go about your business yeah everything's okay. well and then they kept going and saying that they had that they landed troops in like new york and killed president bush all sorts of crazy stuff and in the background there are american tanks driving in well we yeah, had the same thing hilarious. happen with joe biden and it's because right. joe biden was on television earlier this week talking about how they passed the inflation reduction act and was talking about how great america was doing and on the cryon of several news sites, it was reporting that that morning, inflation had increased 8.3%. That's pretty funny. The president of the United States is in front of the American people telling them that everything's fine. While it's also being reported that inflation was up 8.3%. And that's overall. Understand mm -hmm. that groceries have increased over 11%. Yeah. Your food costs 11% more than it did last year. And what's even more insane about all of that is you have the press secretary and you have Joe Biden going out in front of the American people and telling everyone that if you think otherwise, you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a very silly situation. It's just insane to me. Like we're, we're just, we're just at the point now where you can't you can't even debate with liberals who believe this crap because mm -hmm. you're you have you have to first be like but that's not true because i've seen a lot of people are like actually wages increased they did that's true wages did increase something like three percent but all of that's wiped out when the dollar's eight percent less Right. That that means it just hurts you at 5% instead of the full 8. Yeah. And to be honest, it's all tangible. This isn't theoretical stuff. You have less money. Things are more expensive. You can't do things you used to be able to do. You all know that. You're living in this situation. While Democrats are telling you that's not happening. <laughs> while you're having to budget stuff. While you're having to put things on credit cards or borrow money, or heaven forbid, take a second job, they're telling you everything is fine. And they think that this is going to work. They think that they can just lie their way out of it and that there's enough Americans that for some reason would be like, well, sure, I just had to get a second job just to pay for the bills I've had for years. Um, I, guess I, I guess I'm wrong. It must be, it must be that I'm wrong. Joe Biden's right. <laughs> They think that that'll work. Incredible well, to me. I think with Democrat voters, it probably will. Maybe. Or 
an even worse take from my end is that uh, a worse take from my end is that they aren't worried about having to get elected. Yeah, that definitely seems like the case. Like the, these are the these are the activities of a group of people who don't think who aren't concerned about having to face voters. Yeah. That that definitely is how it is how they're seeming to operate. And that's real weird and kind of and suspicious. Like why would they why would you think that? Why would they feel like they can get away with this sort of thing? I don't know. But it certainly is suspicious as hell. <laughs> All I know is I'm worried about it. Um Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, shift gears a little bit and and get into just some of the wackiness that's going on. Let's uh, let's let's go a little bit north to Moose and Maple Land uh, because there was a story okay. that, I, at first, to be completely honest, I thought that this was a troll. I thought that the guy was trying to to make an example and trying to show how much of a joke transgender policies were. And the obsession with supporting transgender policies. I I thought that that's okay. what was going on here. But instead, it was all legitimate. A teacher in Ontario showed up to class with uh, gigantic prosthetic breasts. And basically wore a sheer shirt so you could see all of the everythings. Mm. Like cartoonish massive boobies um and it was all in seriousness so oakville trafalgar high school has come out in defense of a male teacher who has been wearing a massive prosthetic bust complete with protruding nipples to class in an email sent to parents the school says gender identity is protected Wow. Well, I feel like the problem would be if you didn't like this and say you wanted to go to your school board meeting and uh, <laughs> bring this issue up. Does that make you a domestic terrorist? Uh, yes. Hmm. Yes. Not, not good. Yeah. And it's, it is just unfortunate that we live in a country full of so many neutered fools who will at worst, at best, voice some opposition to this, but at worst, probably just sit quietly by and go, well, I mean, come on, is it really hurting anybody? It's, oh my God, <laughs> it's just horrifying. No, you're right, mm -hmm. because that's, that's exactly what was being talked about, right? We, we heard, uh, um, we heard the, the congressman from Georgia uh, talk about how they he called them you know the the MAGA Republicans these domestic terrorists that had that were uh, um, going to school board meetings. We heard Chip Roy from Texas earlier uh, talk about how they were being threat tagged as domestic terrorists. So yeah, yeah. So if somebody is wearing uh, gigantic prosthetic breasts with protruding nipples in the class uh, and you complain about it, uh, that's that's a terrorism. You have to be okay with a person 
who basically wears fetish attire uh, in school uh, in front of children, you have to be okay with that or face the potential consequences of an FBI raid. Uh, Roughly, yes. And I would say to Alan's point earlier, talking about, um, you know, he, he said this is kind of like the easiest time to be the opposition in America. Uh, I would so. say that the, the, the line in the sand is uh, that's not okay. It's creepy. And these people are groomers. The Republican Party kind of needs to coalesce behind that message right there. Because that's, that's kind of an easy, so easy. message. This is gross and weird. Now, granted, this is happening in Canada, but the same rules are being enforced here in the United States. Right. So, regardless, and we are going to see a freakout that's going to be coming, by the way, because the Virginia governor, uh, Glenn Youngkin, has has now pushed uh, legislation through that um, schools cannot change the change or discuss the gender identity of a student without parental permission. Um, so you can't groom them in class without the parents being involved. Um, so good. just, uh, bra- At least we got brace, that going for us. yeah, brace yourselves for the insanity of the left, uh, basically saying that this is somehow targeting the LGBTQ community. Cause for some weird reason, it's considered anti LGBTQ to not leave creepy fetish people alone with your kids. Mm-hmm. Which really uh, doesn't make me want to support the LGBTQ, AAIP, whatever community any more than I do. Plus, plus two spirit, double X. Non-sensory? I, I it's just whatever. They just keep at, every time you figure out how dumb it is, they just add another thing to it to make you have to prove how dumb that is. It's. Um... <laughs> That's it. We just added another letter. Oh, you don't like that? Well, we're adding more letters now. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, we're going to add another letter to make you a bigot. <laughs> Someday it's just going to be like normal people. It's weirdness. All right. So we've got to get into it and talk about uh, what's going on with Martha's Vineyard and and all of this other stuff. But let's let's start with... The worst press secretary in history, Karine Jean-Pierre, um, talking about uh, what's what's going on with the migrant crisis at the border. Uh, so uh, here's Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, uh, the diversity hire, uh, because my God, first black lesbian woman press secretary, hooray, um, reporting on or, or giving the White House's take on the uh, immigration crisis in America. ABC has a team right now in El Paso where local officials say there's 1,300 migrants arriving every day. We're seeing that people are sleeping on the streets because there are no beds left for people when they arrive. There's not enough buses to take them to other cities uh, that might have capacity for them. Is that acceptable? And is there something the administration can be doing right now in a place like El Paso? So let me, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what the Department of Homeland Security has been doing. They've been surging resources to the region and working to quickly decompress uh, the area, as as with all individuals encountered at the border, DHS continues to expel migrants as required by court order under CDC's Title 42, 
authority. Uh, those who cannot be expelled under Title 42 are screened and processed to have their claims for relief uh, heard by an immigration judge in removal proceedings. ABC has a team right now in El Paso. Uh, real quick, notice she said uh, THS will, quote, decompress the situation. Do, do you know what that means? I don't. What what does it mean? So, so when when she says decompress, what what they're actually doing um, is the Biden administration will take these uh, immigrants that come across the border that obviously they can't all fit in like El Paso, and they put them on planes and buses and they send them to other parts of America. Now the reason oh, why well, I'm bringing well, that okay. up. Okay, so mm -hmm. it's decompressing. They're just everything's compressed. Right making it uncompressed. Isn't that nice? That sounds great. So when 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 Biden does it, it's decompressing the situation. When DeSantis or Abbott does it, it's just the worsty worst. It's it's actually it's literally the Holocaust. That's the new take. It's literally the Holocaust. Well, if I know one thing, it's that the Holocaust was bad. Now, the more hilarious situation is Martha's Vineyard, one of the richest places in the United States of America, had 48, by the way, that's it, 48 migrants show up. They were flown out there uh, by Ron DeSantis. And this... Hmm was just the worsty worst that could have ever happened. Now, what did the Martha's Vineyard people do? Of course, they immediately started talking about just how, oh, like these, these migrants are coming and it's just so bad and we're going to come together as a community and we're going to support them because we're a sanctuary city, right? That's what happened. Yeah, But sanctuary city. So there were photo ops galore, of all of these just great things being done. And you had these women wearing just the greatest outfits to be out there, just hugging the migrants and showing how compassionate they were. And they raised, by the way, richest, one of the richest places in the United States of America did a GoFundMe. They took your money uh, for about $48,000, which by the way, um, they're keeping. Just so you're aware, they're going to keep it. They've oh, actually good. made the statement like, oh, well, we used some of it for, you know, helping out these migrants that we had here. And we're just going to kind of keep the rest just in case. So they're going to keep that money. Um, but this is what it sounded like uh, in less than 24 hours after the migrants arrived. Uh, this is actually how the uh, residents, the gracious, wonderful, uh, just saints among people um, residents of Martha, Martha's Vineyard. This is how they actually reacted once they activated the National Guard to load all of these people up on buses. Uh, this is what it sounded like when they finally got the buses to leave. We did it! So they're all standing here for a photo op while they're just shoving uh, the migrants onto buses with the help of the National Guard. And then they get one final photo op. Keep this open for and, me, please, folks. And what this is, is the, it's the buses leaving and the residents all chasing after it, waving goodbye. So as much as they want to pat so themselves sweet. on the back, 
and talk about how they're heroes. In less than 24 hours, they activated the National Guard and basically said, get them the hell off of our island. Yeah. So while they're taking videos, making sure that they're wearing the proper shawl and their cute glasses and their little hats, while they were taking all these videos about how great and wonderful a people they were, they were in the background doing, I'm not, like, you guys have to understand Working one of the fastest logistics situations I've ever seen. And it's only 48 migrants. That's not a lot of people, but they got the National Guard and the police to get buses, planes, everything to get them the hell off of the island. They were working overtime to get these people off of the island. Mm -hmm. They were so overwhelmed with 48 illegal immigrants but remember that number that we heard stated from Corinne Jean-Pierre or uh, to Corinne Jean-Pierre at the time 1300 migrants a day showing up in El Paso Texas Martha's Vineyard can activate the National Guard over 48 mm-hmm. isn't that wild New, New York by the way largest Largest city, yeah, largest city in America, right? Uh, Freaking out over like 2,500. But here's, I I need to caveat this a little bit, but uh, here's a um, video of Jake Tapper uh, interviewing interviewing Eric Adams, who's the the mayor of New York, uh, about his opinion on the border crisis and, and immigrants being shipped to Uh, Well, illegal aliens being shipped to New York. Uh, Understand that Jake Tapper is pretending to to be in the middle on this or or be common sense on this because CNN is threatening the job of anybody who's too liberal because their ratings are crashing. Don't don't mistake this. CNN still wants to be liberal propaganda. They just know that the the Democrat Party right now is doing a bad job of it. And so they don't want to get caught. So don't don't think that Jake Tapper's changed his tune is what I'm getting at here. But uh, here's him discussing right. this with Eric Adams. So you're struggling to process the 2,500 migrants uh, sent to you from Texas. Uh, meanwhile, the El Paso sector of the border sees an average of 1,700 migrants crossing every single day. A record 1.9 million uh, migrants have been apprehended on the southwest border this fiscal year alone. Even if you think what these governors are doing is horrific, it seems like you agree this is a crisis that needs more attention from the Biden administration. Right. No, I believe it's a crisis that needs more coordination for, from our country. From the hey, country. Hey, you're like losing it over 2,500 people coming into New York City, but there's been 1.9 million this year in El Paso. So you would agree that the Biden administration needs to like do more about this crisis? No. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Come on now, that'd be racist. Sanctuary cities all, by the way. Oh, well, that's exciting. All these, gov- all these governors are doing, all they're doing is sending immigrants to sanctuary cities. They are taking illegal aliens and sending them into cities that have declared themselves sanctuaries 
for illegal immigration. People who have acknowledged, I mean, all he's doing is sending, like, like DeSantis and Abbott, they're just sending illegal aliens to properties that have signs in them that say, all are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you not think that that would have ramifications? I mean, of course I'm being sarcastic here, but come on, like we all had to live through this during the Trump administration with all of these liberals putting out all are welcome. You know, what? what's the other dumb one, Alan, that you see all over Seattle all the time? Uh, in this house, we believe. That oh yeah, in this house, we believe. So you all virtue signaled your support. You were all about it until you had to do uh, anything. <laughs> Pretty much, Literally yeah. anything. So it's all are welcome here, but we don't mean like here, here. We mean like over there. By the way, this reaction of, of all of these liberal cities losing their mind about um, immigrants showing up basically proves the great replacement theory. They're super pissed off over blue areas getting immigrants because they want them to go to red areas. Why would you be so invested yeah. in this? Unless, of course, you saw an intrinsic benefit to a bunch of illegal immigrants flooding areas of your political opposition. Uh, yeah. Either it's because you want uh, to that's replace That's the only them. take you, I can, you can really have on that. Yeah. Either it's because you want to replace them or you want to conduct massive economic harm. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if it was both. So we don't know why we don't know why they feel that way. We don't know what exact why exactly they're so obsessed with sending all of these uh, illegal aliens into red areas. But what we do know is they sure as shit don't want them in theirs. We know that for a fact. Right. Well, yeah, we, de- we know that they definitely don't want illegals around them. And, the and they will work. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there I any thought, question? I thought, that, I thought that the illegals were a benefit. I thought diversity <laughs> was a strength. Yeah, I thought it was going to strengthen their economies. And just think about the taco trucks, Alan. The food, though. Oh, the, the food. food. I mean, according to the Cato Institute, the economy of Martha's Vineyard should, should surge with all of the illegal immigrants. One would think. But, I uh, mean, yeah, obviously not. Maybe the neocons, like, uh, like, uh, uh, um, I forgot her first name, but Haley, former. Former Nikki, Haley. Nikki Haley. Uh, uh, maybe Nikki Haley needs to do a tour around, uh, um, needs to go go to Martha's Vineyard and explain to everybody about how much more American immigrants are than regular Americans. Because yeah, that's a dumb that's, shit. I've had my doubts about Nikki Haley for a long time. That's just such a, it's such a, what, what it really is, is I don't even know if she believes it. It's just such a boomer nonsense, stupid stance. It's this like, I'm also a good person. 
That's what that is. That's not, that's not an ideology. That's an idiotic, like, I'm not against immigrants at all, just the illegal ones. You should be against all immigration when we have 8.3% inflation. Our wages are going down. Oh, and by the way, one of the people that was interviewed in this glowing article about the charity of the fucking rich people at Martha's Vineyard admitted that he lives in his car. Who does? The, the guy who was interviewed? The... Yeah, this guy. The, there was a guy that was giving candy out to to the illegal immigrants while they were being loaded up on the bus. And in the interview, he admitted, he's like, oh, well, yeah, I live in my car. And Pathetic. like the news ran with it. One of the richest cities in the United States, there's a guy living in his car. And every, like all of these people are like patting themselves on the back and talking about how great they are. They raised $47,000 in a, less than a day, activated the entire National Guard, and they couldn't help a dude who's living in his car? Right, well, because it's never about the thing they want it, want it to be about. That yeah. guy should probably drive the car he lives in down to the southern border. <laughs> go and cross it illegally and then his neighbors might buy him a house Maybe. i have to assume that this guy's like white or something because that's why nobody gives a damn well <laughs> that certainly would be on point for a lot of the liberals is the you're the, you're the wrong color for our charity yeah it's all virtue signaling um it, it's just the the be, the best part is that they're like they thought it was going to be a good video of all of them lined up and hugging and kissing them and saying goodbye while they're being crammed onto buses, which I was told was like literally the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it was it was a great episode, especially the I think the the response is. So wait, a, a a border town is that can say, well, we're suffering, we're it's getting thousands of migrants a day. It's the worst thing in the world if they activate the National Guard to protect themselves. But hey, Alan. for Martha's Vineyard, we're heroic for activating the National Guard and saving these people from the horrors of having to be in Martha's Vineyard. Hey, Alan, can you pull that thread a little bit while I uh, jump off mic for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Go nuts. So I think that was, to me, my one of my favorite elements of this whole episode was the fact that the National Guard got called, and that's what justified kind of a lot, all of this. Or at least it was justified by, well, we're just helping the migrants. One thing I noticed in the commentary from people in Martha's Vineyard you absolutely could see that they were really getting off on the crisis aspect. That you know, finally, hooray, we can we have we have something big and scary to deal with that makes me feel valuable as a human being. Like they they were cheering, it's like oh, we're we're getting together for a food drive so we can feed these poor people that are all getting up. You know, you guys are creating this situation with your lax attempts at border security 
Now, it's hard because you want to say, well, how could they be so, how could they just not care? But clearly they don't. And they, uh, and a lot of them, I'm sure, viewed this as we were so put upon by this. It's, it's mean old Mr. DeSantis. He's really the problem. He's the one that is actually causing all of these issues because he's the one that sent them here. I think hoping that the uh, people on the left will come around to seeing the error of their ways is wishful thinking at best. But anyway, that, that was, that's, our, that's my take on Martha. I thought it was a fascinating exercise and, and uh, thing to see happen. Because my gosh, like <laughs> the uh, the sheer amount of hair pulling and screeching from all of these people just because fifth, only fifty migrants showed up was nothing short of shocking. But I don't know. That it was. We'll try to. We'll, so I want to see if there's more backlash from this if Martha, the these people of Martha's Vineyard get more uh, if they start if they start electing people and say well we're seriously a sanctuary city well you weren't for these people so I don't know but it is great I think the precedent is now set border towns Texas can absolute is absolutely justified in in declaring in declaring a state of emergency and mobilizing the National Guard after the precedent set by Martha's Vineyard. And what can the people, what can anybody do to complain? Like, well, you know, it's okay, it's okay for, it's not okay for them to do, but it's okay for the, us to do. Because we just want to help these poor people. I don't know. What I'll be curious to see if anybody there is that upset that their tax dollars, where their tax dollars are going in all of this. What if we gave them candy before we deported them and took pictures of us giving them the candy? I don't but know. We also be heroes. I think I've we also definitely seen, would be. <laughs> I've also seen people ask whether or not Martha's Vineyard has its own flag so they can put it in their profile picture. Um, That's clever too. <laughs> I guess with the other part, the part of this that is, I think, very unseemly and frustrating is the fact that there is not going to be a reckoning for these people. That it doesn't matter to them that this stunt happened. They are going to operate. It's not going to change their hearts and minds, for lack of a better term. Which is something that needs to be, it's like these people are not going to be embarrassed into acknowledging their own hypocrisy. As much as we would like that to be the case, it simply is not going to happen. So there needs to be some, stunts like this are great, but they are in the end only a stunt. This is not a solution by any means, and it's probably not even going to change minds. That is the unfortunate frustration of our situation currently is that we have to re- are essentially relying on people on the left, the NPR Americans, getting so fed up with their own hypocrisy that they decide to start voting differently and change their behavior. While that would be a wonderful thing to have happen, putting all of our eggs in that basket, I feel, is folly. And now what, what I mean by that, it's hard to tell. because It would have to be something where they're only going to stop doing this when they're forced to stop. Texas needs to forcibly close the border unilaterally because the federal government cannot be relied on to do it for us. 
And that is the that's that is the proper read on the situation. This duff cannot be allowed to continue, and the only way it is going to stop is if it is forced to be stopped. And because we do not have uh, power at the upper levels of government, we have to rely on power on the state and local level to make sure it stops. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have, I can't, I can't tell you much else other than that. No, it's, um, <clears throat> well, you know, and of course, like it all looked bad. And I think the majority of Americans see it and it just, no, nobody's going to sit there and look at the kind of residents in Martha's Vineyard and be like, they're the good people. You know, if you ultimately what it, what it comes down to is, is this is the scenario. If the rich, if one of the richest places in America, where even Barack Obama has like a $46 million mansion, mm-hmm. if they can't handle 48 immigrants, if it's considered inhumane to send 48 immigrants there, then we need to lock the border down entirely because there's no way it's humane anywhere else. Exactly. Like Exactly. But again, that relies, but then who's going to, who's going to close the border? It has to be the federal government, but possibly the state, possibly the state, the state governments that are on the border themselves. As much as people get enraged out, outraged about this, there needs to be a pipeline of that rage into action. And I think that's where it is very difficult right now to see where there can be any real action that stops this or changes it. Because the people that want immig- unfettered uh, immigration to keep happening, they want an open border. Those people have control of the keys to the country. And they seem to have enough stranglehold on the ability to project political power that any opposition to this, any attempts to close the border are going to be stopped by the Democrats. They're going to be stopped by these people at the federal level. And so the federal level, I think you just have to write it off until we take complete control of the House, the Senate and the executive branch. There can be no there will be no border security. It has to come from the state and or local level and people being outraged about it needs to find a way to translate into actual serious action. Admittedly, though, this isn't really solving the problem, right? What I mean by that is loading them up on buses and sending them to New York or, you know, Martha's Vineyard or uh, Kamala Harris's front door, which is also happening, by the way. Uh, Some of them are being right to Kamala Harris's front door. Um, This isn't solving the problem of illegal immigration. It's merely providing theater and focus to what is happening at the border. Yeah. I will admit it is phenomenal. And I do think exceedingly useful to point out how all of these liberals that were all about just letting anyone who wanted to come here, come here unvetted, you know, not looked at whatever, when it's in their neighborhood, they absolutely freak out. I mean, God, like how the hell does the Democrat mayor of New York go on national television and say, we can't hundred, we can't handle 2,500 illegal immigrants. If you can't handle them, what city in America can? 
Yes. That's like it, it okay. is a it is a like, level yeah. of it's it's shocking that they were able to say these things and feel that their own base wasn't going to question it. It it's incredible because they the Democrats in stupidly trying to make this, I don't know, stupidly handling this, are making the case against illegal immigration every single day. They are making the case oh, yeah. every single day. But it's funny that you say it's it's amazing that they would say this. Um, what was crazy is the reaction from uh, NBC News stupidly, like being way too wrapped up in trying to, you know, own the conservatives uh, because they're stupid uh, in their penchant to want to do that. They actually published a tweet uh, that referred to immigrants as trash. (laughs) So uh, this comes from the Daily Wire. NBC News faced backlash Friday afternoon after it tweeted out a news article that featured a quote from an immigration activist who compared illegal immigrants that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sent to Martha's Vineyard to trash. The deleted tweet stated, quote, Florida Governor DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like me taking my trash out and just driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. A founding member of foundation uh, of a foundation which helps refugees says. <laughs> wow, that's uh, is this guy running for some election? Where, where how can I vote for this guy? <laughs> Based, <laughs> yeah, he, knows, he knows exactly what people want to hear, <laughs> and it's so funny because the same liberals that would support a guy like this are the ones that are like everything that we're seeing from DeSantis is literally the Holocaust, which apparently means the Holocaust wasn't so bad. If yeah. if shipping. Illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard is the same as the Holocaust that I've been lied to about the Holocaust. Right. <laughs> they didn't show that yeah. part. So it's literally yeah, part like... List. Well, that's what's really funny, too, is it's like, well, you know, at a certain point, this is obviously all in jest. But uh, at a certain point, if you're going to be accused of it, like, could DeSantis just start loading them up in rail cars and sending them back? I don't understand. That would be pretty cool if that was what happened. (laughs) He just goes, he just embraces the imagery fully. He's not doing anything wrong. He's just like, yeah, we, we just put them on a train and we send them, you know, back into South America where they're from. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he's using a train. Literally Hitler. Yeah, that would be pretty ridiculous. It's very it. It is honestly, it is very exhausting how there is a wild obsession at all times with liberals to have to make everything about World War Two. It is pretty. Everything has to be World War Two and everything has to be. You know, it always has to have some correlation to like Mahalocaust. It's so dumb. Um, and honestly, I, I just, I think people are over it. Like nobody, 
anyway, the point is, as with everything, it just diminishes. It diminishes any of it. People just aren't going to care anymore uh, about any of those subjects, the Holocaust, slavery, any of those things, because they've just been so diminished because just by by the rampant stupidity um, yeah. of the left. Now, Absolutely. Um, heading into the last 20 minutes of the program here, uh, there is something that I, I wanted to point out because um, we haven't we haven't done a lot of like COVID or vaccine news or any of that. But there's there's now a commercial, or and I'm sure that this is only one of many, uh, for medication uh, directed towards children that I think you're going to find pretty shocking. Um, let me play the audio of uh, of this this commercial. Unfortunately, you guys aren't going to see all the pretty pictures here. It's some very emotional stuff, uh, very pretty. Uh, but this is a, a commercial that's just running on daytime television now. And I'm going to ask the audience the question of, um, did you ever hear about this problem, you know, say two years ago? Uh, here, here's the commercial. I've been into fashion since I can remember. But one day I had a stomach ache so bad I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen something called myocarditis. But doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat. They saved me. So now I can become the next great fashion designer. Well, I mean, so so we're basically, I don't ever remember seeing television ads directed at children at childhood myocarditis pretty weird but um wait isn't myocarditis one of the the negative side effects of the covid vaccine that people have been talking about for over two years now and was never acknowledged as anything serious always decried as misinformation (laughs) that's a little weird isn't it (laughs) Uh, i mean the reality is a bunch of children are getting myocarditis and, well, and every people in general, uh, probably a huge chunk of people that got the COVID vaccine are walking around with essentially low level, in some cases, high level cardiac damage because the COVID vaccine damages the heart muscle. It causes an autoimmune response where body attacks the heart. And that's causing myocarditis in a bunch of people. That's why I you mean, see the incidences of sudden death or athlete sudden athlete suddenly dies it's all because they got the covid vaccine it weakens the heart muscle and then under intense cardiac strain the heart muscle fails and they die now we've heard of sudden infant death syndrome this was a thing i've never heard of sads until now either sudden adult death syndrome that's a real thing now Interesting. I mean, it shouldn't be. I would like to think so. But yeah, yeah, we're now seeing commercials about myocarditis in children. And it wasn't even anything anyone had really ever heard of or talked about. And there certainly weren't these commercials before, but it is absolutely a side effect that doctors, let me remind you, not crazy conspiracy theorists, not random message boards on the internet. Doctors were warning about when they talked about the COVID-19 vaccine. 
Now, those doctors were ridiculed, threatened. Some of them lost their jobs. Their licenses were threatened. They were banned on social media. They were attacked uh, by every aspect of liberal media and even politicians, probably even investigated by the FBI. And now, the same hospitals, pharmaceuticals, giant medical establishment that told everybody that it was a lie are now celebrating the fact that they're saving kids from myocarditis. What do you bet they also have a bunch of fancy new myocarditis drugs that they just released? Oh, certainly they do. Oh, absolutely. The whole COVID-19 vaccine thing is absolutely terrifying because of how they were able to fool people into essentially compromising their own health, which is what, which is what you did. If you took the COVID-19 vaccine, you ran a very high risk of compromising your own health for something that was really not going to hurt you in the first place. Well, well, maybe the risks of COVID were less than the risks of the COVID vaccine. Yeah. So certainly that they didn't want to tell you they lied. They knew these risks existed and you were in, they intentionally tried to keep people from finding out by calling it misinformation and disinformation. The government was complicit in this. Pharmaceutical companies were complicit in this. They knew and they suppressed it because it would hurt their bottom line. Here's the crazy thing. We don't know how high the percentage is. It might not be anything too insane. Like myocarditis, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are. But they are, they're, they're more than one, certainly. And there are several instances of this happening, but it might not even be that big of a percentage. That's actually the craziest part about this. There are, of course, everyone has watched a pharmaceutical ad, which I'm still incensed that this exists, but everyone has watched an ad for medication on television in which they list side effects. The idea that medicine has side effects is not crazy, insane, or nuts. Like we, We're all aware of it. It might not even be that high for myocarditis. It might not even be that high for whatever the hell s- sudden adult death syndrome is. This could be 0.000001% of the population that's affected by any of these side mm-hmm. effects. That's entirely possible. But the very fact that the United States government, the National Institute of Health, the CDC, all pharmaceuticals, all media are saying there's 0% of these instances is insanity. Why wouldn't you just be, this is the, this is, I know why. So I'm just going to answer the question instead of asking it as a hypothetical. They didn't want to report any of the truth any of the risks to the American people because of the stupidity of if we tell people that there could be a side effect, then they might not get it. In other words, all of these groups that I named agreed that it was better to lie to the American people because you were so wrapped up in the idea of them doing what you wanted them to. And maybe not for any nefarious reason. I will leave the door open that it might not even be for anything nefarious or crazy. Just the fact that you're so arrogant and narcissistic 
and full of yourself that you're the smartest people in the room, that it was, we have a vaccine and everyone needs to take the damn vaccine. And I'm tired of people having their own opinions. And so I don't care. I'm not giving any excuse for Billy Bob, the dipshit to not take the vaccine. So we're just going to lie to everybody about there being any potential consequence. And what's hilarious about it, I guarantee that if they were truthful, they probably would have actually gotten more people to get vaccinated because the majority of people I know that were the most worried about vaccines and adverse effects consistently told me that they were suspicious of how much they knew they were being lied to. And that scared them more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. We're just taking a simple approach to show, I'm sorry, to show how reasonable you could have been. You could have been absolutely just reasonable, but for some reason they chose not to. That's what's so scary about this. Yes. Anyway, go go on, Alan. No, I, that's that that's really it. It's the because we knew people. I I knew. Well, at least for me, I'll say my own personal story. Because I I saw enough that I knew they were not telling the truth about the extent of side effects. That there absolutely was a high potential for side effects with the un, completely untested and untrialed new vaccine technology, which already I was thought. And then when I saw that how it was, no, there's no, there's not even a potential for side effects. There's nothing wrong with the vaccine. It's all great. There's there's nothing could go wrong with this. That just made me suspicious as hell. I was like, there's no way there's not, there's not a negative side effect to this. There's negative side effects for everything. And especially things that are this new, they're absolutely negative side effects. Don't tell me that the number is zero. It can't be, which means you're lying. And which now it's like, if you're lying to me about something that I'm putting in my body, I don't like that. And I'm not going to do what you have to say. Yeah. I mean, the weirdest part is that's not unreasonable. That's (laughs) nobody thinks that that's unreasonable. Right. I would like to know the truth about the medication I put in my body. Um, Literally everyone in uh, ever. Yeah. Everyone, everywhere. That was so anathema. Because it was so impossible to determine the truth about this, because of, and not even just normally a massive government and corporate collusion to hide the truth about these vaccines that they were de facto making mandatory for people to have a job, for people to do things, to get on an airline, to travel. It's like the it, that was so crazy to me. It was not only. Was it, hey, we have this vaccine, and it absolutely is perfect in every way. Don't ask questions. Also, we want to make this contingent on you getting an organ transplant, on getting housing, on doing anything. The whole vaccine passport idea. The two of those together seemed just too suspicious to trust. Yeah, If if the government is truly concerned about vaccine skepticism, uh, misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories, just know that it's all your fault. It's entirely your fault. I, what, what scares me more just because of the, the effects that can go just beyond this vaccine itself Mm -hmm. is the idea that the government 
sat there and said, we have to lie about this for the good of the American people. Exactly. And anybody who points this out needs to be hunted down, needs to be punished. Right. Which, what scares me about that is either there wasn't a reasonable person in the room or the reasonable or, or there were, there's never just going to be one. Either there was zero reasonable people in the room or there were several reasonable people in the room that were able to be overruled who sat there and said, we should probably just be honest and say, of course, there's going to be some side effects as there are with any medication, but given the risks of coronavirus, the risk is worth the reward because we don't see any indication that there would be any large scale side effects. Some people yeah. will always have a negative effect to a vaccine as they do with any medication, but everything that we can see suggests that that potential is excessively low. There was either zero people who so said easy. that or a bunch of people said that and everyone went, nope, fuck that. Let's lie to them because we don't need these idiots making decisions for themselves. That's terrifying because they'll do it for everything. They're lying to us about the economy because if they told us the truth, we might not go along with their bullshit. They're lying to us about the war in Ukraine because if they told us the truth, we might not go along with their bullshit. They're lying to us about everything because if they told us the truth, we might not go along with their bullshit. That is exactly. what we learned from COVID-19. Yes, that's what we learned from COVID-19. That's what we learned from 2020 with the Black Lives Matter riots. That's what we've been learning from the entire Biden administration. And I would say even further, that's what we saw and started to realize under all the years of Trump was that the media, the Democrats, the intelligence community, the military, all of these groups will collude together to present a distorted view of reality to the American people so the American people are unable to make proper decisions about the realities that they are facing because they might come to the conclusion that their glorious progressive era is nothing but smoke and mirrors designed to enrich a elite class of people at the expense of everyone else. Yeah, no, it's it. That's exactly it. We have to lie to the American people or else they might make the wrong decision. Yeah. And what's the wrong decision? The wrong decision is the decision that makes it so that these people, that these people, let's just call them the elites, folks like Hillary Clinton, folks like Barack Obama, folks like the directors of BlackRock. Decisions that make it so that they can no longer fleece us for all we're worth, can blunder our tax dollars to pay for their own salaries, to allow their kids to take millions of dollars in unpaid consulting gigs by companies that are scared and trying to benefit from political connections. That's what they want us to not see. That's what they want us to, that's what they want to prevent us from correcting is the injustice of, of that, is the, the rule by these people that have no connection or care for what happens to us in our nations. Well, I will say, and it's going to be basically the final thought on the show, is at least 
at least they went so damn overboard with it and their reactions that there are, I will, I, I will, I can confidently say there are far more Americans today that recognize what's going on than say three or four years ago, because there are oh, plenty of Americans that I've met and people in my own life that were always kind of, I would call them milk toast or sort of squishy, um, that, that are, that are very easily kind of coming over to like the, uh, they're lying to us about this. Uh, how about you tell me more about what you think's going on? And so that's good. Now it's effect. We don't know. That was a lot of, of kind of what Alan was talking about, um, earlier, but we'll get more into it and keep kind of covering this sort of stuff. Um, as you know, as we go on through obviously everything that we do, Thanks for joining us for this week's Wrong Think Radio. We'll be back next Sunday at noon, as always. And you can go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio, where you can help sponsor the program for $2.99 a month. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week.